0: Thank you for listening to The Determined Mom Show. We appreciate you. And we would love for you to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. This will help us reach as many other moms as we can. Don't forget to download your 10 things you should be doing to get more clients from Google Search Guide at rebrand.ly forward slash Google 10. Welcome to this episode of the Determined Mom Show. I am your host, Amanda Tento, and I have my amazing friend, Meg Brunson here from Just Marketing. Welcome, Meg.
1: Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here, Amanda. I love connecting with you.
0: Yes, I love connecting with you. We actually spent a lot of our time talking about things outside of this podcast before we started recording. So I'm glad that we finally were able to wrap that up and hit record because we always have so much to talk about. So very excited for you to be here. That's what happens,
1: I feel like. When you're a when you're a mompreneur, you connect with another mompreneur, you finally have the ability to talk about grown-up things.
0: Yes, exactly. Exactly. So I'm really excited to have you here. Why don't you tell us a little bit about you, for anybody that doesn't know you, the Just Marketing Podcast, Just Marketing, and everything about your business.
1: Sure. So I am a mom to four incredible kiddos. I'm a former Facebook employee, and I'm a criminal justice major in college. Those are like three facts about me. And you may be wondering like, why are all of those things relevant? And how do all of those things come together? Um, Justice has always been one of those like baseline values I've held. And like growing up, going to college, I thought that I was going to follow that criminal justice path. That was what I was meant to do. But life happens. Life happens. I had Definitely. A few kids. I had a few kids. I worked at Facebook. I got really interested and involved in marketing. And my kids are an incredible, diverse group of kiddos. So my oldest kiddo is black from a previous relationship, and my second oldest kiddo is TQ. I A plus falls within that spectrum. So I have a lot of experience, real life experience, despite being a white cisgender hetero female, seeing uh, transphobia, seeing racism firsthand and how that can, how that harms and impacts people. So I, taken that like core value of justice, my expertise in marketing, and then my desire to make our world a more inclusive and accessible space. And I've just smushed it all together. And that's where just marketing came from. So just marketing is marketing that prioritizes people over profits, that prioritizes inclusivity, And accessibility that really pushes to examine everything from an equity centered lens. So that as marketers, as we're amplifying our voices, as we're amplifying our voices and our messages and our businesses, we're doing so in a way that is changing the world for a better, taking baby steps, change the world for the better to make it more inclusive and accessible. And that's where just marketing was born. That's awesome. I love that you're combining all of the things that you're passionate about,
0: like obviously your kids and social justice and just your witnessing of everything and your passion for making everything better. I love that you're combining all of that with marketing. Who would have known that's even a thing? That's even a possibility. I love it.
1: I finally feel like true excitement and alignment and what I'm doing. You know what I mean? Like I I know that I've found my niche. They always, everyone talks about niches. Like I found it. I feel like I'm there and it's very exciting.
0: Yeah. I always love when I look at your website or get your emails or whatever your signature is very, not, it's just very like succinct. It's very, this is what I'm doing. This is what I'm about. And I just love that. I absolutely love that. Thank you. Yeah, definitely. So I know today we're going to talk about five steps that our audience can use to increase their social reach. So I am also curious about this. So I'm really excited to hear what your steps are. So go ahead and let's talk about it.
1: Sure. So the reason we're talking about increasing reach is because these five steps all have to do with accessibility. So by increasing accessibility in the content that we're putting out into the world, that means we're allowing more people to consume our content. And when I'm talking about accessibility and social media, a lot of what we're gonna talk about today has to do with people who use assistive technology in order to interact with the digital world. When we think about diversity, I think it's very common to think about race or gender, or maybe religion and cultures and things like that, things that are visible, it's easy to look and see diversity, but things you can't see are people who are blind or have vision impairments or are colorblind or are deaf or hard of hearing. Or So there's all of these disabilities and I don't want to necessarily, disabilities, different abilities that people have that we can't necessarily see. And we're unintentionally by just Business as usual, marketing as usual, we're unintentionally leaving a lot of those people out, prohibiting them from seeing and interacting with our content. So I wanted to kind of lay that foundation. That's why these five steps, these five tips are going to help us increase our reach by making our content more accessible. So the first thing that is becoming more and more common are when people use like stylized, funky text in their social media posts. So if you go, if you type something in Facebook, a post or whatever, Facebook automatically creates it in whatever font they use. I don't know what font it is, but it's whatever font they use. There are people who (laughs) is, what is it?
0: Yeah. It's the boring font. I think.
1: No, (laughs) just kidding. There are ways though, to change the font, to change the weight, which means to make it bold, to make it script, to make it look different. And typically that involves copying and pasting from other external sources. I know when I've done it, I would find like somebody else who posted in that funky font and I'd copy and paste. And then it makes your content stand out in the news. feed. The problem that a lot of people don't know that I didn't know was that when a screen reader reads that content, they read the font information before each letter of the word that you've written in that font. So if you wrote, hi, Amanda, in in bold, and then it said the rest, it would be like Times New Roman font H, Times New Roman font I, Times New Roman font A, Times New Roman font...
0: Oh my goodness.
1: It's so overwhelming. Like, it's awful.
0: They would almost need to be writing it down in order to be able to understand what it says. If
1: you've ever heard a screen reader, even they sound very robotic. So sometimes it's hard to even follow along with what they're saying. And I have an example of it that I have on the website so that you can go and actually listen to what it sounds like. It's awful. Wow. And I often, and I, like I said, I see people doing this all the time. The recommendation is just don't do it. Just don't use those funky fonts. Just type into the social media platform the way it's meant to be used. And that will allow more people to be able to consume your content, because if you're using an assistive technology, you're just going to skip over it and the message is lost. Wow. That's a
0: great one. That's, that would be enough for a whole podcast. I can't wait to hear the other four points.
1: So I know I have to, I have to keep it succinct because I have done a whole podcast on each of these things. The second one I want to talk about is camel case. Camel case is the practice of capitalizing, and sorry, I'm talking with my hands if you're watching on video, but camel case is the process of capitalizing the first letter of each word when you're smushing words together, like in a hashtag or a username or a URL. Now, visually, this is going to be hard to visualize, but if you close your eyes or whatever and think about this hashtag, it's hashtag hashtag. W H O R E M B E R S If you could picture those words it's supposed to say who remembers But That's not what I all, heard <laughs> But it can also be interpreted Oh gosh can we swear on this is that considered a swear word as whore members whore members or who remembers two very different things Another really common example that I love is Susan Boyle. Do you remember Susan Boyle? She was like an opera singer from Britain's Got Talent, I think. And when she released her album, they wanted to use the hashtag Susan album party. But another way you can break those letters up is S-U-S. So either sues or sus, anal bum party.
0: Oh, wow. Yeah, that's, that's that no. is
1: not what they wanted to get across when you write in all lowercase letters number 1 it's hard for just for any eyes to figure out what that is you're scanning you're looking for a familiar word then you're trying to break it up into little chunks it takes us a couple seconds to figure out what the hashtag is and that could be made so much easier if we used camel case if we just capitalized the first letter of each word in that hashtag url username whatever the case may be And with screen readers, going back to that assistive technology, if they see capital letters, they'll read those as words. Otherwise they're trying to read that whole string as one word and it's gobbledygook. Like you can't understand it. I'm going to fix all
0: my hashtags from now on. (laughs) This is great.
1: And I use a scheduling tool that allows you to have hashtag banks. Mm -hmm. And so one super easy task is to put 10 minutes on your calendar and just go in and update all of your hashtags to make them capitalized. So like the first thing, don't use that funky text. The second thing, just update your hashtag banks. Awesome. It's unfortunate that you that Insta will um, default to all lowercase, but if we just type them out with uppercase, if we save them in a document and copy paste whatever the case may be, it really isn't that much more work to capitalize those letters to make the user experience better.
0: Yeah, I love that. Okay, that's awesome.
1: All right. What All about right. number three? Number three is the hardest one. oh I know. I'm ready. Stay with me. This is the hardest one. It's the saddest one, but it's not as bad as it seems. <sighs> emojis. All right. I love emojis. We love these little guys, but we have to dial it back a little bit. And there's some rules we need to follow with emojis. So emojis have built in alt text, basically. So when you use an emoji, a screen reader knows what to say based on how it's programmed. Side note, you can check emojipedia dot I believe it's dot org to check what the the screen reader will say when it sees that emoji. So there's a lot of difference in emoji. There's um one emoji that looks like two hands pressed together. and I know some people use that as a high five. Some people use it as praying hands. And even with praying hands, sometimes it can be used as like, actual prayer versus thank you so much, right? This was three different ways that that emoji can be interpreted. So in order to include, in order to make your content equitable, which means that everybody understands it in the same way, we need to be clear about what emojis we're using and how people are understanding them. Saying number one, make sure what your emojis are actually saying. Number two, we don't want to use emojis as bullet points, which I am totally guilty of doing because I think it's cute but then every before every bullet point it's reading pointing finger to the right your content pointing finger to the right your content or whatever it is I'm making that up but whatever that emoji is and the same way that that funky text can get exhausting annoying overwhelming using too many emojis can feel that way too. So emojis should be used to enhance your message, not to be or replace your message. Don't replace words with emojis. Best practice would be to use one to two emojis per post to put them at the end of your message after your call to act. Wouldn't it be sad if so got to three or four emojis and then never then tuned out. So they never got to your call to action. Again, these are tough, right? Because we love these emojis. And another, again, this could be a whole podcast episode, but there are skin tone emojis. So there's yellow and then there's five skin tones. And I started using the skin tone that most closely in my opinion represented me I felt like that's what I should be doing yeah however when you use a skin tone emoji it actually adds additional alt text to the emoji so now instead of saying pointing finger to the right it says skin tone number two pointing finger to the right oh my goodness and so suddenly it's like using the yellow emoji can actually be more accessible because there's less feedback that assistive technology is delivering to the people so I could go on and on forever about emojis but there are just a few a handful of things to keep in mind with how we handle emojis and I feel like At this point, you might want to go listen to that emoji episode because there are more things. You make the decisions that are best for you. I should have said this in the beginning too, right? Like doing any of these things doesn't make you a bad person. Like you don't know what you don't know. And you don't have to change everything all at once. Change one thing, get comfortable, return, change another thing. I don't want this list to be overwhelming. (laughs) No,
0: that's great advice. I love
1: that. Number four, scooting right along is alt text. I think people are starting to be familiar with what Alt text, alternative text means basically it's copy text that you use to describe an image or a GIF. And it is oftentimes it's embedded into the image so that you don't see it unless the image doesn't load. So if the image doesn't load, the text will show instead. And if you're using assistive technology, that text is what that technology reads. The problem is that the text that is auto-populated is often insufficient. So I posted a picture of me with my two kids and it said, maybe two people are standing. (laughs) That doesn't sufficiently describe. So you need to describe that image for what's contextually important. So in that example, the way I typed my alt text, I drew attention not only to the fact that I was with my oldest two kids, but I talk about what my... shirt says and what my kiddo's shirt says Mm because that was relevant for the purpose of the post yeah if the post was about something else you wouldn't have to talk about those things make sure you have alt text with all of your content it's going to benefit people using assistive technology and also people like me who travel full-time and have slow internet and the images don't always load yeah so you want to make sure those are accurate awesome I love it all right one more you ready I'm ready. This is, we're going to talk about color contrast. This is relevant for people who have any sort of vision impairments or blindness or color blindness, or even people who prefer to use the internet in grayscale, which I didn't realize was a super popular thing, but grayscale reduces some of the strain on the eyes. So if you're dealing with like internet eye pain, that could help. So for these people, color contrast is important because if the colors are too similar, when it's in grayscale or when they have different vision abilities, they're not able to differentiate the difference in color. So for this example, I'm specifically talking about text on a background. So the background color and the color of the text, there has to be enough contrast in order for it to be accessible for people. And there's an actual number, it's 4.5 to one is the contrast. And you're probably thinking, what the heck does that mean? And how do I determine (laughs) what the contrast is? And I'm going to give you a link because the link is not pretty, but I'll give you a link that you can put in the show notes and you can actually plug your colors in and it will tell you what your ratio is. And it has a really easy scale that says if you pass or you fail. And so what I did is I plopped in my i have two or three common background colors and then two or three common like bold colors so i just went through i took 10 minutes and i checked how all my background colors work with all my foreground colors and there was one that i was like oh i thought this was a light purple but it clearly isn't like it failed all the things oh no and you were able to just slide there's like a slider so you can adjust the colors to meet the ratio Oh, and I just awesome. updated my brand colors. I just That's so cool. Them. Yeah, that is awesome. So now I update that in my branding guides, and going forward, my content is automatically more inclusive because I've changed this like medium purple into a lighter purple, so that my text is always clear. Yeah, and it's amazing. Sometimes, you, if you're you've got decent vision, mm-hmm. you don't realize how much that color contrast matters and again there's so much more stuff we can talk about here but in color contrast is a whole nother topic and
0: right we could right. go on and on forever all of the five points that you've talked about are mind-blowing for someone that hasn't really thought about those things like especially mm-hmm. the social media stuff like I knew about the color contrast from web design but the rest of it I'm like wow that's craziness like I didn't even realize that it read that things that way I absolutely love this. And I love that you've been here to share this with our guests. So where is a great place for people to find you and get more information about all of
1: this? Yeah. So my main website is megbrunson.com. I encourage you to check me out there. If you're interested in the podcast, you can go to justmarketingpodcast.com. And I also have, because this stuff, there is so much. It can be very overwhelming. I've put together a checklist. It's actually a, a, a two checklists that are put together. But one is things to go through to make sure your content is accessible as possible before you post like your next piece of content. The second checklist is a little different. It's how to respond in case of a tragedy. So like how to determine what warrants changing your social media strategy in case of a school shootings or wars, or now I can't think of any other examples, but Mm -hmm. these violence, any of those things, when there's a tragedy that occurs, how do you respond? So it's those two checklists bundled together and that's at justmarketingchecklist.com. So that'll help you navigate these things step-by-step.
0: Awesome. I love it. Thank you for providing that for everyone. Thank you so much, Meg, for being here, sharing your wisdom, and you all must listen to the Just Marketing Podcast. Definitely go and download that now.
1: Thanks so much, Amanda.
0: Thank you, Meg. Let's face it, piecing together a marketing plan with the things you hear, watch, or read online while tempting is never a good idea. The truth is people don't search on social media for your services. And even if they do, they will still be going to Google to check your ratings. By not having a cohesive, proven marketing system, you are leaking clients and customers through giant holes in your customer acquisition bucket. But let's talk about what else isn't working. Posting tirelessly on social media, tracking followers as a business metric for success, paying for ineffective marketing, buying glossy ads in coupon magazines, spending time replying to comments, paying others to manage your social media with no actual sales coming in. So what is going to work. Having a proven marketing system in place will plug every hole in your bucket and allow you to begin to fill up with new customers and to also retain and nurture your current ones. Go to tdm-marketing forward slash six-marketing-musts and download our free guide to six marketing musts guaranteed to get you more customers.